Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! What is up, everybody? It's another Tuesday morning in America, and you might be on the opposite side of the world, but wherever you are, you have access to the internet, probably a cell phone of some kind, probably, you know, a little bit of uh, shame that your your Instagram post didn't get enough likes, or maybe, maybe you're confident that it got a lot. These are the conditions that a lot of us live in under uh, modern times, where we have all of this opportunity to create just independent creativity that can lead even to having an audience, a product, things that you can sell, a consulting service, a service of some kind where you're book a coaching uh, like job that you now just created out of thin air. Like, I'm a coach now. And people are calling you saying, I need your help. And you're getting money for it. And so you're getting to like do the things that you think you want to do and then charge money for those things and then build an audience of people who are like wanting that thing for their own life and they need your help to get it and they're willing to charge to like pay money to get that thing from you. This is this is just business, right? We have all of this opportunity to do this in modern. I mean, you don't have to be a whiz kid anymore. You don't have to be like you don't have to go to school. You don't have to do all this stuff. But let me tell you, there's a lot to learn. A lot of it, a lot of it you already know. It's just human nature stuff. It's the same thing that you would never like walk up to a dude at a bar if you're a lady and and act in particular ways because you know that signals particular things about you. No. And if you're a man, you wouldn't just walk up to a lady and just like be like, I'm really into you and I wanna I wanted to get intimate with you. You just met that person, right? You know that you're gonna have to like you're going to court them over time. So much of life is just dating is what I'm learning. And business is like, like this is why you'll see this often. You'll see so many people get on stage and talk about business and they'll use the metaphor of dating, right? I think Gary Vaynerchuk does this a lot, right? Where you just, it's this great metaphor for what it's like to meet someone and build what we call that, like know, like, and trust. I know, like, and trust you, right? And over time, you can do that in a particular direction to get people to know, like, and trust you about a particular topic that they want to have solved in their in their life, right? And you create the solution that you can charge money for, and now you've got a creative, independent living. But wait. What happens when you do that, and then you're like, I have another idea, though. Something else that I want to explore. Or what if, I like that I'm doing this business, but something I don't like about it is this, that I'm like trading my time for money or that like I don't feel like I can charge enough yet. And actually, I don't get to talk about like, you know, action figures, which is my real pleasure in life or something. I don't know. I don't know what you're into. What are you into? <laughs> I don't know. But the thing that happens to a lot of us is you, you're creative and you get and learn how to be entrepreneurial. And then you create some sort of a successful thing, or a, a, at least there, there's a little bit of success to it. But then you're with this question about, do I want to do this one? Or is there another one I want to do? Would I rather do something more? Or can I do something else too, right? This is something we got into in our last conversation, uh, fizzleshow.co uh, slash 318, the, the previous episode of, to this one, which is great. If you want to hear myself and Aiden Fishbein talk at length about this kind of thing, we thought let's get more voices in on this topic and see what, what we can learn from them about how their businesses evolved naturally 
over time, how they moved from one project to another, how they kept two projects. Maybe you, sometimes you got to keep two plates spinning in the air, sometimes more than that, right? How you develop a new one when you've already got a, a, an existing business going, and then how you manage those things over time. Because I've noticed when I talk to entrepreneurs who have been an entrepreneur for you know close to a decade or, or something like that, there's a lot of this natural shifting, morphing, evolution that happens. Um, and it'd be good to get prepared for that because it's probably coming your way. So without any further ado, let me introduce you to some of the people that we have on the show today. First and foremost, my illustrious partner in crime, Corbett Barr. How are you, sir? Where are you, sir? What's going on? Well, I know what I won't be talking about on stage anytime soon. <laughs> Why? It's no, I mean, it. it's like literally the best thing. It's like, hey, you want to learn about marketing? Go on a date well, or try to. <laughs> I, just, I just don't think there's a lot of relevance in hearing stories of what dating was like in the night. I'm a white suburban high schooler. Because that was the last time. No, I would love no, to hear that. Yeah. That's true. That's so good. So that's Corbett Barr. We've also got Aiden Fishbein. Say what's up, Aiden. Hello, guys. And then Steph. Crowder, the illustrious of the Courage and Clarity podcast, the one who's working with so many entrepreneurs out in the world and in the in the meat and potatoes of all sorts of what it's like to make a business. Hey, Steph. Hi, guys. I'm so happy to be here. Hi. I feel like whenever I stop by the show, it's like, I don't know, it's like coming home. It is. I, ho- I hope it <laughs> so feels easy. like that. We had Barrett on is... a couple of weeks ago as well, Steph. Yeah, yeah that was I good. That. You missed oh, I'm going to have to go listen. We should have just like a reunion episode someday with all the co-hosts at once. <laughs> we Everyone. really should. Everyone. And are you saying every of Chase's personalities as yes, well? That is no, we can't we can't bring <laughs> all the, the remember, alligators. <laughs> remember when before like I learned about other people who lived in the world, I was doing like some fairly racy voices that Ra- we can keep some <laughs> we can keep those people out of there. Um all right, so uh, Corbett, you were talking about this topic before we, we got on, and I would love for you to just sort of set it up a little bit for us because I loved your perspective on it. Yeah, well, uh, this was something I wanted to talk about today because it's on my mind hot and heavy right now. Uh, as a lot of you know, we've been working on a software project uh, for quite some time inside of Fizzle. It is a community discussion platform that now powers Fizzle and has for the past uh, nine months or so. And it's called Palapa. And uh, we're getting very close to launching that. And managing both businesses at the same time has been quite a challenge. And I'm sort of at this critical juncture where uh, I need to put my head down and focus on the new business to get it launched and out in the world. Final push. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of uh, broaden the scope and, and not just talk about that, but to recognize that all of us as entrepreneurs, I think, end up in this kind of position at some point, whether it's when we are leaving our jobs in the beginning to try to build something on the side, or later when we build something that kind of works, but we realize that, oh, there's some fatal flaws in this business that I built and I kind of need to build something else. And you just kind of transition from one thing to the next. But those transitions are really tough sometimes and really critical because you have to, uh, since we don't have like outside sources of funding, we kind of have to keep the thing going that's paying our bills while we try to establish this new thing. And uh, it's, it's a challenge. So knowing that all of us on the call today have had these types of experiences, I thought it'd be good to maybe tell the stories and uh, see what commonalities we can find. Mm. 
Mm, love it. And by the way, I just want to, Corbett, I just want to honor you in particular right now because basically all of us on the call, as well as several others that now have their own podcasts, have their own business, have their have their own like you know position in other companies. A lot of us got our start with uh, with working with you in in some meaningful way, mm. where we learned so much, and then you have this phenomenal and profound ability to sort of hold us with an open hand, right? So we're able to evolve. We're able to let whatever transformation is happening inside of us that like is affecting the work we want to be doing in the world to to evolve. And I just think that you're a you're a damn fucking gentleman, man. Well. The way that you roll <laughs> is inspiring, and it will it, it 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 impacts the way that I roll with everyone that I hire as well. And uh, people should know that about you. So won't butter your bread too much there, but I just want you to know there's a lot of butter over here waiting to give you thank you <laughs> thanks everybody and i appreciate that and uh, i may not have biological children but uh you all know you can come home anytime that's yeah. right baby <laughs> that's so good <laughs> so um i just want to say that because because it's it's an important thing i think the human psyche at least mine has the has this um uh this trigger where if i get something to work like i want to control it and like kind of white knuckle, like grasp it really hard and gri- like, you know what I mean? It's like, I want to pet it and rub it. It starts like that. And like I pet it and I rub it. And it's like, want to pet the rabbit, George. Like I did, like sometimes you, you break it because you, you're not a smart person, but sometimes you, um, you control it so much that all the life comes out of it. Mm. Like it just squeezes right. all the life out of it. And, uh, I find that my mind does that sort of, like up to now it sort of did that automatically and now like now i've learned a lot about how creative projects they breathe they flow they move life is a lot like that it's just kind of like relationships are like that your relationship with i don't know feel like that's in every relationship that i have right now where it's just like it's grown and changed over time and it's evolved and those that have made space for the newness survive right those that make space and that feel like like they're like it's not overly controlled, they end up surviving. And that's and that's yeah, that's how on. a lot of these side projects start, right? It's just you are allowing things to uh, you're not trying to control things too much, and you're you're following your curiosity and you're allowing things to unfold in front of you. Steph is uh, one of the best at this. I know you've had for a long time this policy of like if a door opens, let's walk through it and see what's on the other side. But then you find yourself in these situations where, oh, wait, but where was I before? And what do I do about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think something that I'd like to keep at the forefront of this conversation, and I know I've said it before, but I know that, and I'm going to talk about this in, in my part, I'm sure, but as you go through your journey, whether it's you are in your full-time job and you're trying to do your thing, or like Corbett said, you're within your business and you're managing different projects... Um, that control piece, like Chase said, is so present for so many of us. And the truth is, we want to have answers. Like I know for me, I've wanted to know like when is it going to happen? When am I going to be where I want to be? And what has really helped me is to, I've learned this many times over is to just not force a decision. And, and you know, like as much as you are like, oh, maybe I could just maybe now is the time. And it, my experience has been, if you're trying too hard to like force fit that that next step, like whether it's going into the full time or it's jumping into your next project, 
these things have this really weird way of showing you when it's time. It's almost like it reaches this critical mass where you're like, kind of like Corbett was talking about, where you're like, okay, I can't, I actually physically can't keep going the way I've been going. And that's how I know that it's time to to do something differently. Mm. But you don't have to force it. I think we're in this society where we make so many things happen, like go out there and make it happen. There's a strong case to be made for like, yes, go and do great things, but also allow it to unfold because you will know when it's time to do something different. Yeah. And I think you really nailed it in this sense that we really want answers. Yeah. We really like, when is it going to happen? Yeah. It, and and related to that for me is this whole this like Buddhist concept of security. A lot of the Buddhist a lot of Buddhist teaching that I've, I've listened to have been about security and basically just dismantling the idea of security and getting you used to the idea that what if there isn't any security? Yeah. What if what if you 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 made yourself secure in not having security? Mm-hmm. Right. What if you did that? That can that then now we're in this place where like you say, Steph, it can it can unfold. You don't have to force it. And I like yeah. starting this conversation with that just so that like that like brainstem can kind of unclench a little bit because so many of us as entrepreneurs are running around going like, what is the correct thing for me to do? What is the mm-hmm. right thing for me to do? As if there was a right or a wrong. Yeah. Right. And and it's right. like, yeah, there is a right in that like this is the path that led you to success. But the truth is. I've listened to so many hours of people who I really admire as successful people, creative, successful people, and they all talk about this way of unfolding. They all talk about this path kind of, they, they have some, uh, some you know, upgrade that other people don't have, whether it's in a talent or in a relationship or their parents were a certain way or they grew up in a certain way. They have some, um, some part of their story that's like, a, a, we, can, we can call it in quotes, like a privilege of some kind, but there's still this enormous amount of like, of, of just letting it unfold and see like it was crazy i met this person and that led to this and it led, it's just random stuff like that this is where i feel like maybe we actually are in conversation with a universe that is also actively building stuff that you get involved with <laughs> you know what i mean pulls you along for the ride but i like that we start the conversation there just so that we can unclench that brainstem a little bit and go like hey man no right answers no wrong answers what we're talking about when i'm talking about success i'm talking about when a signal comes from the inside of you from your belly from your gut out and it just kind of like wells up in you and you find a, mo- a a way to to draw that out of you i have this new kind of concept from meaning to matter right because <laughs> I'm, st- I'm one of the things that i'm on the cusp of of making a big transformation on or a transition to is i'm rebranding my website from the bag works idea over to a totally different construct which might be i think it'll probably be live at the time that this episode goes live. And that's actually a good deadline to me because, because here, here's a trick. If you're managing multiple projects, okay, if you're running two side projects or if you got some things going on, you want to, if multiple focuses are a given, how do we manage to stay sane and productive? Well, one of the things is set a damn deadline. Right. Just give yourself a deadline. <laughs> Otherwise, it's it going to be it's going to be sitting a, in your head for years. Right? Yeah. Have or a just, thousand people hold you accountable. Yeah. <laughs> or just get get pregnant, and then you have like a ticking time bomb in your uterus. That's another really good one. Exactly. That's Book one a trip. To look at it. Book a trip. Yeah. Book a trip and 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 go like Corbett was saying before. Go go interact with a horse in Portugal so that your spouse can get a little too attached to the horse trainer. <laughs> Just a little bit too. You liked him a lot, didn't you? <laughs> I mean, he so, did have a nice smile. 
(laughs) 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 So if the the concept that's happening here is we're coming to this point where it's like, okay, if there's going to be multiple focuses for you as an entrepreneur, and let's say that you're already there. If multiple focuses are a given, now that might be more than one business. It might be like it is for me where like even when I just was doing and building Fizzle with the Fizzle team, it's like, man, my family and my personal life were separate focuses. Mm -hmm. And I like, like I had to keep those plates spinning. Chances are you're already navigating this. It makes me right. think of Stephen Covey's whole, um, uh, uh, like, the, he had this, the, the, there's the four quadrants thing, right, where there's urgent and important and all that stuff. This is a different thing, where he had like eight chunks on a piece of paper, eight boxes, and then he's like, put your roles, the roles that you think are essential in your life in those boxes. And for me, it was like, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a creative entrepreneur teacher. I'm uh, whatever, right? So those roles, those are kind of the plates that I keep spinning, right? Those are kind of the things that we all do. And he surmised from working with, you know, thousands and thousands of, of managers and entrepreneurs and stuff that like, hey man, if you just identify what those roles are and then give yourself goals according to those roles, similar to the stuff we do in the, don't we do something just like this in the goals course stuff? Yes. Yeah. The life buckets. Yeah. The life buckets. Even yep. better. Even better. So there's, Multiple focuses thing is going to be around for a while if you're doing entrepreneurship yeah. in the digital age. Um, welcome. <laughs> there are several plates in front of you and several forks and several knives. Make yourself at home and, and just know that like, if you leave your fork and your knife on the plate and the server comes around and takes it away, you're not getting new forks and knives. <laughs> like you've, you've got to be managing this whole thing as it goes, which means it can feel like a lot to keep processing and keep like up in the air does anybody like 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 steph for you when has it been the craziness like like the craziest from 2015 until now okay (laughs) (laughs) no for real you know what it makes me think of i don't know if she was the first person to say this but she was the first person i heard say this cheryl sandberg um who is this? Is she still the COO at Facebook? She was, if she's not still. She wrote the book Lean In and quite a few others. Um, and she was the first person I ever heard talk about the career as a jungle gym instead of a ladder. And mm-hmm. that concept has been so helpful for me. I remember hearing it the first time being like, oh, and the reason that's so helpful yeah. for the type A's out there like myself is you've you've likely been taught that it is ladder. I mean, school mm. is ladder-like, right? You finish a grade, you go to the next grade, you graduate high school, you go to college, you get the job. It's very linear. And when you, I think this whole conversation, this whole journey for entrepreneurs, when you start to accept that it can be more of a jungle gym, meaning that sometimes you have to go to the side, sometimes you go down, sometimes you go up and yeah. your foot's not on the right place. I'm watching my daughter figure this out now as she learns how to climb. She's three years old and she's scarily good at it, which is terrifying as a mother. Mm -hmm. But when you start to give yourself permission to view your path as this jungle gym instead of this ladder... Um, you know, Corbett paying me the nice compliment saying that I'm good at, at, you know, saying curious. I honestly think that's where it comes from. If you are determined to only ever take steps forward or up the ladder, I think that's where the trap is. Because when you start to see it as this like field where there's these different moves and you're playing the long game of like, I'm trying to climb, sometimes it's going to require different steps. Yeah. Um, that's where it gets fun. Yeah. So I don't know. Your question was, when, when has it been the craziest? But I don't know if that's an answer to that as much as it is as soon as I gave myself permission to start seeing it that way. Yes, it's crazy, but it's also really fun because 
all of these different options become available and they all contribute to where you're headed. I am really excited about our newest sponsor, Teachable, who makes it ridiculously easy to turn your knowledge into a beautiful and profitable online course. Whether you're a big name influencer like Pat Flynn or Melissa Griffin, or if you're just starting out on your side hustle, Teachable provides you with everything you need to grow and scale your brand and credibility. Even our own Steph Crowder of the Courage and Clarity podcast has earned over six figures this year alone from courses she hosts on Teachable. Listeners of The Fizzle Show get a full month of Teachable free, which includes step-by-step training to help you get your first online course up and earning income fast with zero technical headaches. Course creators on Teachable have earned over $338 million and have reached over 18 million students through the platform. So what are you waiting for? Show your support for The Fizzle Show and create your first online course by going to teachable.com slash fizzle and use the coupon code fizzle at checkout for your first month free. That's teachable.com slash fizzle and be sure to use the coupon code fizzle at checkout for your first month free. Yeah, that's that's a really, that's a great, I, I mean, that hopefully sticks in people's mind. Like a lot, I feel like a lot of people just heard that idea, ladder versus jungle gym. And it's such a perfect little picture for the way that this kind of digital entrepreneurship or modern creative entrepreneurship works, where there are, it's just a massive, huge landscape that you can, it's like parkour. You can do whatever you want on this yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. So the question arises, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And I find that for me personally, that's constantly evolving. You know, and like there is there, there there hasn't been anything I've wanted that stayed what I wanted for a very long time, except for I love um, I love helping people feel more comfortable in their own skin. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I've done. That's what I did at Fizzle. That's what I did. That's what I'm constantly trying to help people do is just to feel more like themselves. Or the question is like, what's just the next step, right? This is yeah. something that I find myself preaching constantly over at Courage and Clarity is I always talk about the next best step. And back to the jungle gym, like, for example, I'm not a rock climber, but when you see people, I imagine that with rock climbing, you're kind of only thinking about where your foot needs to go next, yeah. right? You're not yeah. thinking about, maybe you are, but in my mind, you're not thinking about like what the 10 next steps are going mm-hmm. to be. You're thinking like, where does the foot need to go so I don't fall off this cliff in well, this Well, it's funny you bring that up because guess what? happens when you get good at rock climbing you start thinking about both yeah you think about both the big line that you're drawing and this right right here this next mode in fact there was this amazing documentary called the dawn wall if you haven't seen it's on it's on netflix it's just this it 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 charts out this huge massive course that this guy does through this one climb and and it might sound really boring to a lot of you i don't know i've seen a few of these climbing movies now and they're always interesting (laughs) They're so ridiculously good. I don't know why. Like, there's like it's ridiculous, but um, but there was one spot in particular that everything hinged on, and they knew it from the start that like mm. if they can't make that one little thing, then like this is but it's like the only way through that thing, mm-hmm. and uh, and it ended up being one of the one of the most like you know dramatic parts of the whole film. I won't break anything for you in the sh- in the show, but like. <laughs> It is, it, it's like exactly that stuff where you're a rock climber and you're trying to chart out like your long vision yeah. and, but just like this right here. And for a while for me, I find a tremendous amount of, um, of 
like relieve and like taking off the pressure and just focusing on the right nowness. Yep. You know, just this re- really next thing. It's just like the a lot of the pressure can go away. Right. I, I actually I find that I have to take the pressure off of myself just to think about the next move. Yeah. Right. Just the very next. What's the next best step? So I love that that idea of I'm in the jungle gym and the question is what's the next best step. That's a great way to let these business ideas evolve over time. So maybe one thing we could do is is transition into into someone someone's story in particular about like I would love to hear just like how you like maybe Steph can we start with you and yeah. just think like how do you conceive now how do you think about or conceive of the transitions you've gone through how you see them or the one tra- or however you see it like can you tell us what it's been like for you to to let this a transition like this um, sort of evolve through you over time how do you look at it well what you said resonated with me chase of like playing with things and not necessarily designing that it's going to take you somewhere and i think this has probably been true in in most of if not all four of our stories that we'll be sharing where for me and i know i've talked about this a little bit before on the show when i started the courage and clarity podcast you know as a branch of fizzle that was purely following my own curiosity it was as a podcast listener myself feeling like there was this gap in terms of this balancing that I wanted to be represented, particularly through the lens of female entrepreneurship between strategy and mindset. I found that shows were either weighted 100% towards like rah-rah inspiration or they were tactical all day long without some of the vision. And so I just really wanted to play with that. I wanted to see what that could... What would happen if I picked that up and basically really just started that project thinking to myself, how far can I take this? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't for a year of that of running that show before it became plainly obvious that like this thing wanted to be its own business. So that is like one of the biggest transitions. And then of course, like there was this period of time when, when we as a team made that realization um, between me being full-time at Courage and Clarity um, and working my way towards that. So it's this weird... I look at my transitions as being... This is kind of true of all of them really, where there's this period of time where you're just kind of playing and you don't have the answers and you're just building. And then there tends to be this moment where you're like, oh, this something's about to happen, right? Like I'm about to jump off this cliff. I'm about to make a, a change that's going to send me in the direction of something different. I also think about the day that I applied to work at Fizzle and leave my leave my post at Groupon as being one of those moments. I knew for months and months leading up to that moment that it was going to happen. I mean, I told you guys this. I had a date on my calendar. I was like, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to be working in online entrepreneurship by April 15th, 2015. Sure mm. enough, that happened when I joined the Fizzle team. So I think it's a combination, these transitions of letting it unfold and playing with it and working on it and then the moment comes where you you have to be able to recognize it and say, okay, this is the part where I can see that like the path that door has opened, then like the next step has revealed itself, and now it comes time to make a plan. Mm. I think a lot of times, specifically when we think about leaving a full time post to run your thing, um, we're tempted to believe that there's like this big leap, this big like majestic moment where like you know there's like the music all comes to a crescendo and you make the leap that really hasn't been my experience i mean um yep. specifically about going from fizzle to run encourage and clarity full time it was very uh, i mean very methodical yep. in terms of like how we worked that as a team right like going from me being a full time player on team fizzle 
think it was Corbett, probably, I don't know, six months, nine months where I was, um, you know, kind of ramping down and, and even doing a 50 50 split and then 75 25 and then finally saying, okay, this business needs me to be full time CEO. Mm. I think we talk about that less, maybe because it's not as sexy of a story. Like I didn't, you know, storm into the fizzle office and say, I'm out of here. It wasn't like that. It was more of a methodical, um, lots of numbers involved uh, to make sure that this was going to be the best move for both businesses and for my livelihood and all of that stuff. Mm. So I, I guess to answer the question, it's kind of this... My transitions have been this weird mix of playing, unfolding, curiosity. But then this moment comes where it does become really important to be methodical and to start designing um, to make sure that you're ready to make sure you're ready to fully make that transition. So what is, how do I manage that well? Because I love this, what I'm hearing in your conversation is this play between I'm just playing and figuring things out. I'm just letting it evolve curiously over time. <clears throat> and th- when you branched out to, to create the Courage and Clarity show as a part of Fizzle originally, there were, um, there were conversations we all had about how, how much of a smart decision it potentially is, right? How yeah. much it, it resonates with uh, the values of fizzle and, and the audience members that we we're already hearing from and all this stuff. So it, there was a design to it, even though it also was this playful exploration. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, like if you could say more just about the, the balance between those two. Cause I think, um, <clears throat> I don't know. What, what do you think? What comes up for you about that? I think when it, it's all about this moment, right? When you come to this moment that you realize that, you're about to do something different, right? So mm-hmm. I can think of months and months of running the show and being like, I feel like this is heading somewhere, but I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. And this is kind of what I gestured towards at the beginning of the show where I could have like forced a resolution. I could have said, well, now I'm going to go and try and make this a business or something. But instead, it, there's like this... When you don't have that answer, I think it's important to just kind of continue, to kind of just let it continue to, to evolve. In my experience, all of my projects that I've managed have reached this critical mass. It's not always comfortable. It's usually very uncomfortable Mm. where you kind of look at what you're doing and you say, okay, I don't know what I need to do, but this isn't working anymore. And maybe Mm. that's... I don't know. Maybe some people would disagree with me and say it's not the best strategy to wait Mm. until it's at that critical mass. But I actually kind of like it because it feels like definitive. And then you look at it and you say... All right, something's got to change here. I got to make a different plan. It's become painfully obvious that either I've outgrown the situation or this project is taking on a life of its own. Or (laughs) in other words, you're ready. You're ready. The project is ready. Um, And this can, you can think of all the different places in life where, in in business, where this is true. Like you're managing two different projects inside a business and you start to look at how busy you are (laughs) and you say, this isn't. This isn't working anymore. Like something has to change. And so I think when you reach that moment where it becomes very clear what you want to do and what needs to be done, then you switch from the playing around to being like, okay, now it's clear to me that I want this business to be its own business. What needs to happen from where I am now to to get to that point. So for me, mm. in the case of Run Encourage and Clarity, uh, it became really clear to all of us that, that that's where it was heading because this because this revenue opportunity opened up. But it was it wasn't a ton. It wasn't like it was ready to be a six figure business or something. I mean, it took a long time to get Courage and Clarity to that point. And so I think that you then have to switch your brain to say, okay, if I know that I want this thing to become its own business, which is what we decided this thing needed to be what needs to happen in the mm. period of 6 months or 9 months or whatever mm. to be ready for to, for me to fully assume 
that CEO role, which is what right. happened for me. And so again, that looked like me working with Corbett, working with Team Fizzle to figure out like, what does my involvement look like now? What does it look like in a month, two months, three months, and kind of allowing that to just ramp down to mm. be ready to fully step into that next transition. Okay. So there's I, a lot of there's a lot yeah. of really awesome distinctions that you're making here. Okay. So one of them that I hear is this tension between there on one side there's play and curiosity. Yeah. And on the other side, there's uh, like kind of like an intelligent design and a results orientation, right? Mm-hmm. Or strategy. Another way that you phrased it was uh, what I want to do and what needs to be done, right? Mm-hmm. There's this like, there's almost this tension. It's a little bit different language that way. It's not as helpful. So on one side, play and curiosity, which, which immediately like, like I think all of us can, even if it's been a long time since we've <laughs> tapped into play and curiosity, a lot of us know the vibration of those ideas, right? We just know like the sensation of that. Like, yeah, play is like what is like what is good in life. Yeah, it's so <laughs> yeah. like in lovemaking, when you pass into play and curiosity with your partner, it's like we are at a next level intimate relationship right now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like when you're podcasting about business and you start talking about sex, it's a next level, right? <laughs> but it's it what happens. It's what, Corbett? <laughs> what? <laughs> but uh, the sorry, I got you right in the middle of drinking your tea. But the that playfulness and curiosity is, I think, just such great words for what I'm trying to get to to be the the reality of my daily life, personally. Like I like security and I like things like to not surprise me, but I also really like play and curiosity, right? What are you gonna say, Aiden? Mm, I have I have kind of an interesting. So, no, sorry, no, I didn't no. mean to interject, but I, I have this like visual metaphor for for exactly what you were just talking about, Steph. Which is, you know, a lot of when when really risk averse people look at transitions like this, like me, I think I can I can be really really very guilty of this. I create a lot of really really rigid metrics and milestones. Um, and I don't allow those things to have much room for, for kind of flexibility. And you, you guys are talking about this, like this play and this openness and following of, of curiosity. And in my mind, I'm envisioning like the flexible walls and foam pad, like puzzle piece squares that you build a yeah. playpen with, right? right? You set it up quickly you can move it you it's can big, you can change right? the wall mats, structure. Like they're, they're can, big. They're like big pieces, not little yeah. puzzle pieces. The, and now, but like big, like two by two squares, mm. you know, and, and you know, those things are not going to prevent pain if you really do face plant <laughs> on them, but they'll keep you yeah. from breaking yeah. those, you know? Um, and so, so that's kind of what I'm, what I'm envisioning here is like, okay, if it doesn't feel, you know, you've got your, your nice structure, you've got your, you know, 50, 50, 75, 25, that kind of rudimentary structure. But if things change a little bit, you've given it breath to yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am stealing that and will use it for my own sanity. <laughs> but I think what, what's great to me about that metaphor, Aiden, is, is um, it talks about what is the environment within which you actually can play safely. Right. Right? It's this question of like, what can we set up in our, in our businesses or in our structure of what we're working with on a day-to-day basis that helps us to be able to, to get into curiosity and play like we, like we may want to, but we're also not faffing about which is something I've spent so much of my life doing, right? Trying to be trying to be productive in creativity oftentimes devolves into just faffing about, just, you know, whimsy. Yeah, fully immersive virtual reality. You're still in the physical world. <laughs> yeah, Corbin, <laughs> what do you what do you have exists. to say on that? Well, I I I I love that like you and Aiden 
for as similar as you are in some ways, you're like almost on opposite ends of the spectrum in this way, because mm-hmm. Aiden was just talking about how rigid he is with metrics and things. And yeah. I've never known Chase yeah. to like write down a metric ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have and, to text my and, wife to see if we have money. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's how you make decisions. Yeah, um, exactly. Which is great. But I, f- I feel like this, this um, we're getting somewhere here with this, this idea of you have to kind of define some, goals or like direction for yourself while also allowing the ability to follow your curiosity and and let this thing develop. The Mm. danger in like being too rigid with metrics is like you can't create metrics for something that's brand new. You just don't know where it's going to go. Now you, you could set, you know, a couple of goals for yourself and say, at the end of this period, I hope to have X, Y, and Z, but really, and we've talked about this before quite a bit. You can't control the outcomes in the beginning of a project. You can only control what you put into the project. So those metrics should be more along the lines of, I want to have done X, Y, and Z Mm. in terms of work and effort. I want to have contacted X number of customers. I want to have published 20 episodes, those sorts of things. And, And I know with Courage and Clarity, we set those those very early goals. Remember, they weren't like, I want 2,000 listeners by the end of three months. It was more like, I want to have published 10 episodes and then we're going to yeah. have a conversation about what that felt like. And then I'll yeah. decide if it's worth taking the next step. Yeah. And 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 so I, I love that versus... So there's the, the strictness on one side and then the other side would be, I'm just going to start a podcast and see what happens. See what happens. Yeah. But, totally. then, but then you don't give yourself a specific point at which you're going to reflect on what has right. happened. And this is where I also I, go for it, Steph. Sorry, I was just going to say, I also, so that's a great, I think metrics are great and we tend to traditionally use them to set future goals, right? But I have found metrics to be really helpful in helping me make key decisions. So what comes to mind again with this like delineation between playing and then there's this moment of seriousness and you end up making a transition is within the Courage and Clarity business, we talked last month, I think, about the launch of my signature program, Crickets to Customers, right? Mm -hmm. Which is my third time launching it. Well, my first year of business at Courage and Clarity, longtime listeners will know, involved me launching literally 15 different things. I mean, guys, like one-on-one coaching, group coaching, this course, retreats, I did everything. And I love using metrics to help figure... Because you will reach a point where you'll say... That was really fun. I liked launching 15 things. I was doing the curiosity thing. I was doing the playfulness thing. But then you just get to a point where you're like, all right, this isn't fun anymore because I am busy and I need to make some decisions. And so I love looking at metrics to say, all right, what is the data telling me in terms of what my next step could be? So when I looked, this is literally what happened for me in in choosing what my model was going to look like long-term. I looked at my one-on-one business. I looked at my group coaching, my retreat, and my course. And it was very clear to me that Crickets to Customers really wants to be an incredibly profitable course. This course has already done six figures in a year by itself. Mm. And so when you can kind of look at the metrics as like this weird compass to say like, Huh, okay. I actually want to work on that more. And it's justified because it's so clear to me that this is where the traction is. I feel like it kind of gives you some confidence in closing some other doors. Mm. So I don't work with people one on one anymore. I don't have a group coaching program open. I've gone really all in on crickets to customers, but that is very much supported by the data. So mm. you can use that, those metrics to guide you in the future, but it's also really helpful 
So you're not just wandering with the curious play to, to do it for a while, have fun, yeah. and then come back to the metrics and say, what, what's the data telling me about what I should do next? What an amazing, perfect little encapsulation of a lot of, a lot of the topics we've just talked about, Steph. You're yeah. talking about playful curiosity, letting it grow, letting it flow into like, what do I want to do? What, what feels right? What would be awesome? What would be the thing I wish, you know, I, I still think the best way to find out if you're like, you, you know, your entrepreneurial thing is, is to continually, continually, continually ask your question, uh, like, how would I wish this? How do I wish this was? If I, if yeah. it were me finding this, how did I, like, like, I have this problem where I have this thing I need to solve what do I wish I would find out there, right? Like I have this problem where I have depression or anxiety. Like what do I wish I could find? I wish there was like a drug that could, you could sit in nature and just like trip out and just like you can interact and conversate with your own depression and maybe get to a point of integration. You know, it's like, I wish. It's almost like, it's like today it's on the ballot. Today mushrooms are on the ballot in in uh, Colorado, by the way. Fascinating. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. But, uh, you know, not to get all Joe Rogan on it, I love the way that, Steph, you <laughs> talked about you went from this playfulness and, the, uh, and like, the curiosity around, like, what do I want there to be? What, do, what would be awesome if it existed in the world? The, yeah. and, and doing this, launching 15 things, then guess who taught you that you were doing too much? It was you! <laughs> like, right. you, you taught yourself, and then you get back in the driver's chair, and you did exactly what you did in the beginning, which was saying, like, what do I wish existed in the world? Exactly. But now it had another layer. It's almost like you went up a spiral, like you're above a little more perspective, a little more wisdom, a little more education or, 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 or experience in the thing, right? Looking back to, and then, and then you look mm -hmm. into it and you're like, I want to do this thing. And you double down on it. You're able yep. to focus on it. You're able to get, um, get something going with real like momentum or real in, like, um, density. Like there's big projects, like the way you talked about the difference between all those 15 things and, the uh the the crickets to customers course is it just like crickets to customers gained this density it yeah. felt like dude if we can get that moving it's going to be yeah. really hard to stop it moving it's right. gonna yep. it's gonna have a lot of <laughs> of like of i don't know what that is it's not inertia kinetic momentum mom yeah. momentum <laughs> right <Jeez. And> so <laughs> what are you gonna say aiden I, I just I I felt like i could just tie everything together just real nicely let me see if i can if i can do this so Steph, I heard you and Corbett, I heard you also talking about almost why it's academic and pointless to try and project metrics in a meaningful way. But it is really easy to reflect if you do a diligent, if you have a good process to get real truth on just looking backwards and examining recent uh, history. And if we tie that into, because you can't really know what's going to happen. So if you set a loose experiment where you know you're going to collect data, but you know you're not really after a specific kind of data or a specific kind of result, but you have a very clear deadline of, hey, I'm going to pause here at this time and reflect and then see what my next steps are then. It's really strategic. And if we're using the rock climbing example, if you're, a, if you're familiar with rock climbing, you're familiar with lead climbing, um, that's, when, that's when there is no rope at the top of the mountain pulling you up where somebody's belaying you from the, from the bottom. You are at the front of the rope. And so as you progress up the mountain, you're systematically clamping into checkpoints, right? So you're clamping into carabiners that are already set, or you're setting those and then climbing a little bit further. And if you mm. fall, you fall at just to the last one. And it's not, it's not nice. I mean, you fall, you free fall. Nobody's catching you right away. But it's, it's to the last checkpoint of when you did your last reflection, when you last tested your foundation, yeah. um, and that kind of stuff. So I really think we're striking... 
a really rich vein on if you're trying something new, be really liberal with the kinds of results you're expecting or hoping for. You know, be creative, try and try and follow that curiosity, but reflect and really ask yourself, is this feeling good? Is this working? And, and like Steph did, you test a lot of things, which is really nice because you can compare those things, you know, apples to apples. Uh, when deciding what to double down on. Mm. Uh, and it seems like it's working. So, <laughs> well, What I love so much about this conversation is it just gets into the nature of modern, independent, creative entrepreneurship so, so, so well. Because obviously Momentum. we're talking about two sides of this very same coin because there's playfulness and curiosity. And if you have too much of that and not enough of the other side, the design, the intelligent design and the strategy, right? Then you, like I've lived, man, I've lived it. <laughs> I've lived it, trust me. There, <laughs> there's not a there there. <laughs> it just keeps eating itself right yeah. <laughs> it's just you're constantly like like just taking in whatever's around and, and like you don't you're also committed you don't know how committed you are not just to make something that you feel is artistic but to make that art itself give someone an experience you are committed to make them cause and that can't happen if they're not finding it can't happen if they're not interacting with it. You are committed to two things, not just being capable of creating something good. I get it. A lot of us tie our personal value, our self-worth and self-esteem up with the works of our own hands, with whether or not our body is fat or skinny, with whether or not we feel like, like we're dressed well or not, or we can create a spreadsheet that makes sense or not, or we can put together a sales page or an idea for a course. A lot of us are still just in that early stage of entrepreneurship where we are in the economy of just, am I a worthwhile contributor or not, right? But you're not just committed to, can I make something good? You are deeply and fiercely committed to uh, making something good that affects people, that is meaningful, that has a con- that like you see the results of, right? So it's both and. And I think uh, I think I see a really logical progression early on for a lot of people that it's. It, it, I love letting people faff out and get creative and curious and playful for a while because there's like a, you have to kind of build the mo- build the ability there. It's like new movement for a lot of people, right? They're mm-hmm. learning to new move new parts of their body or their psyche. And then there's this this slow growth into like, all right, let's think about these metrics. Because just like you're saying, Aiden, it is like getting being a lead climber and you're clipping in as you go. And you learn stuff as you go. And when, that way, when you, you, can, you, can, you can achieve really great heights while never being more than, you know, 10 feet or 15 feet from your last check-in point. Right. Which is really a remarkable metaphor for what it's like to build uh, intelligence over time in a creative endeavor. And I think that that is nothing short of literal magic and it just works in the world. It just works. There's ways to do it and it's not guaranteed, but if you like if you are called from the inside out and it burns through, like you can find a way to channel that into creating something of value. And mean I mean that's a conceit of the show, listener. That's the conceit of this idea that we would even dare that we would deign to, <laughs> to teach entrepreneurship, right? That it's something that can be taught. And I think that, <laughs> I, I don't know if the answer is true or not. Because anybody I've taught how to do entrepreneurship, I look in there and I'm like, yeah, they were kind of built like it from the start, mm-hmm. right? In some ways, they thought about it somehow meaningfully. But here's some, here's some flexible walls and foam pads for you. I on love the ground. that. I love yep. that so much. And there is a thing here that, that Corbin, I want to hear you speak next because... Um, 
I uh, just want to like, again, one of the things that's really important, I want to drill this into the listener, you, this, I, this conversation about metrics, the fact that it turned into metrics is really interesting. And the way that, that we talked about the metrics, that way that Corbett, you even said like, it can be almost, uh, just unintelligent, like, like not helpful to give yourself some metric on the front half of a project on the beginning of a project before you even know what it's going to become. There are some metrics you can give yourself there around like, you know, am I being honest with myself am i am i being opportunistic only or something like that maybe but then these these metrics do become these essential pillars of wisdom for making decisions that you will def you will we will be so hungry to make a wise decision at some point you know to be like i'm too busy i cannot keep all of this going just like steph was saying did 15 projects and now it's like what's the thing i should focus on and when the data when the metric itself that you've just collected over time through Google Analytics or sales information or customer feedback or anything like this. Or journaling. Journaling your own personal journey, right? Uh, can be just the actual stones with which you build the next, like, the, the, like or the map of the territory, right? It's like the map. It's like, which direction should I go? And well, the uh, crickets to customers, like this is, like there's energy around that. I can feel it. It needs to be something real, and it needs to be like standalone on its own. In order to do that, I need to focus more time on it, right? Mm-hmm. It demanded something of you. That's why I think I, my wife hates it when I talk like this. But I see my creative projects as children. I see businesses as children. I see. I saw Fizzle from the start as Fizzle wants to become something. What the question was? What does Fizzle want to become? Not what do I want to make it so much? Even though I, that was always there because it can't not be. But what does Fizzle want to become? And I see. I I think there's a point at which when the project you're working on kind of has its own identity and its kind of own desires in the world, like it, like Corbett with you and Palapa, it's like Palapa wants to be something, and there's a potential for it to really want to be this perfect mix—the not Facebook and the not Slack, but the mix between the two for for private groups out there. Right. Just just a fascinating idea that like it's like a it's like a person that doesn't exist yet. It's like a, it's like a, a, a song we haven't heard yet that like we, it's like all of our favorite songs. We just don't know it yet. Yeah. What are you hearing, Corbett? Well, and, you know, uh, there are other elements to this. There there is what the project wants to become. Yeah. But there's also who you want to be. Right. And a lot of us start pursuing these projects, not just because we're curious about the value or the gap or whatever exists in the world or doesn't exist, but we also are curious about uh, what we were meant to do mm. and, and where our skills are going to be applied best. Yeah. And you might be, um, you know, for, for us with Fizzle, um, you know, we, we create, we have created, so many different videos and courses over the years and 320 podcast episodes and so on. And after several years of that, before I knew that Palapa was going to be a thing that I was going to embark on that, I felt like there was a missing piece of my soul in a way, Mm -hmm. which was I hadn't really um, been involved in hardcore software development in quite a while. Mm. You know, I'd I'd put that part of me aside for a bit. I know that we did some for Fizzle, obviously, and and a lot of WordPress development. But what that meant was I started pursuing 
just skills out of curiosity on the side and exploring new technologies and seeing what was out there that I had missed out on because I hadn't been in software development for quite some time. And so I started exploring those. And then through that curiosity, you start to wonder, well, how could this be applied? Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of where, you know, where that project started from for me. So I think you can come at things from multiple angles, but I wouldn't discount the idea that we are, uh, we're all capable of a lot of different things, but there can be some convergence that, uh, convergence that happens. And I think that, um, you can feel like, the work that you're doing is easier because it fits you in some way. Mm. Steph is, uh, you know, magic on the microphone. And I'm, I'm so glad that she got to discover that. And, and Aiden, I love having you as a co-host on here as well. And, and just think about if you, if neither, if none of us had started podcasting, wouldn't that be interesting? Right. Mm-hmm. So sometimes curiosity isn't specifically about a market yeah. or, yeah. you know, a business or something, but it's just about exploring your own interests and curiosity and, and that can take you places. Yeah, that's a really big point. And by the way, this curiosity is such a great word and playfulness and curiosity together is just like a it's like a magic cocktail. Um Liz Gilbert, one of the Bibles that I think of independent entrepreneurs is Liz Gilbert's big magic. Mm. Because the the sort of emotional roller coaster of entrepreneurship and of of conceive the conceit to build something. Right, the conceit that you're going to be be capable of building something that someone somewhere should pay attention to. Oh, really? Like you're better than me, or whatever? Right? You're constantly facing all this distortion and noise in your own head and your own psyche, um, just to make stuff. And I find that her her book Big Magic is it's like little tiny chapters. That the other one is the is the uh, the War of Art. Stephen Pressfield's War of Art, like those two together, and you've got, you've got like you've got multiple decades of wisdom that you you won't you won't mine for a while, right? And she yeah. talks about don't follow your passion, follow your curiosity. She talks about curiosity in that sense, the way that you hear people talk about passion. She uses the word curiosity because she feels that it's or it's, or if you don't know what your passion is, which is. Uh, the default mode for so many people. And and it sucks. It's sort of like, it's sort of like the fake worlds that people portray on Instagram Yeah. in the same way. Everybody acts like they know what their passion is. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes people who don't know what their passion is, feel like something's wrong with them, but it's Mm -hmm. not, that's just the default mode. Yeah. And, and so that the, the solution to that is not to sit there and feel like, Oh man, I don't know what I'm meant to do. I don't know what my passion is. I'm yeah. I'm screwed, right? Or yeah. or I'm waiting for that inspiration to strike. Yeah. Instead, just start following things that light you up, that that get you excited, even just for a day or an afternoon. It doesn't. You don't have to commit to it for the rest of your life, yeah. right? And so yeah. much I, of building our own business means not letting other things light our light us up. Like we close ourselves off. Do Do you agree, Corbett? Well, I mean, you have to say, like you said a long time ago, maybe on the show. Uh, every yes dilutes the quality of all the other yeses in your life, yeah, right? right yeah. And or or it means that you have to say no to other things. Yeah. So yeah, we we only have so much exactly time and focus, and and, think, and after a while, you learn that man, you really don't have that much at all. Yeah, and keep, I have to um just just before we move on, I have to confess to something and apologize to Liz Gilbert because somehow in my mind recently. I have merged Brene Brown and Liz yeah. Gilbert into the same person. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Or into the same, like, and yeah. I think that I attributed the follow your curiosity thing to Brene Brown recently because she has a Netflix show that yeah. my wife was talking about. And is it I was good, like, by oh, the yeah, way? She's the one that, is that Brene like, Brown show yeah. good? 
I, I don't know. Okay, Jesslyn said yes. Okay. She, she really she, liked okay, it. Good. And, and we heard her on a podcast recently too. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, cause yeah. And, and there, those are two voice. I mean, there's, there's another voice, Brene Brown, Liz Gilbert and Stephen Pressfield. Like you're done. You're done. This is like, yeah. <laughs> you know, just like that's for the emotional journey of the entrepreneur. Okay. Brene Brown's crazy, intense clinical researcher around shame and vulnerability and leadership and the relationship of vulnerability and leadership. And it'll like completely revolutionize the way you can potentially write and you can connect and be on video with people and you use your vulnerability to do it or you access them through your vulnerability. Um, these voices are all like big voices in this, in this thing that we started the conversation with this emotional journey of, of being an entrepreneur where you, you have to build enough, uh, what chutzpah uh, at the very least to create something. And then, and then you have so much chutzpah you've built up that now you've created this thing and you want more. <laughs> like you're like, I'm not done. I'm still playful. I'm still curious. I'm still, uh, it's, this isn't it. This isn't all. This isn't all that I'm doing, right? This isn't all that I am. I want more expression. I want more connection. Or I want a more, I want more of a cash machine, something that's more reliable, something that's more sustainable and secure. So many ways that you can find yourself, A, building something, and then B, wanting to build something else. And what you heard in this show is a bunch of conversations around how we, us four, like honest to God, real entrepreneurs, have managed this, these transitions over time right? Have just like realized that we, like life taught us that this is just going to come and, and flow like the way that it does. And I love that we got into like, like metrics. Let, let's hear, let's hear around stuff like this conversation. If people only hear one thing from this whole sort of topic, what do you, what do you think they need to hear? Or what is the mm. Steph back in the day? Like wish she could have heard from, from mm. a, a wiser Steph. Ooh. And yeah, it's a good question because this is like what I'm noticing is like, this isn't the story you tell once. Like this is, this will continue to come up in different ways in your business and in your pursuits. Um, I think the one thing I would say is always approach with the lightness and the curiosity, the playfulness. If you don't have it, I actually try to see that as like a red flag for myself because that's normal, by the way. Like, I feel like it's easy to sit here and talk about approaching everything with curiosity and be playful. And, but like, here's the thing. Sometimes you're going to be slogging it and you're going to be like, this feels crappy and I hate it. (laughs) And it's, that's normal. And I think when you feel those feelings, that is always a sign to me that I'm like, all right, something's, something's off. I have to take a step back. So always kind of being in pursuit of that, like allowing the curiosity to lead, but then keeping your like radar on for that moment that is going to kind of crystallize Mm. and, be and have the willingness to recognize it yeah. essentially right like so you know for me with the crickets to customers thing coming to this like i don't know this this coming to this climax where it's like i've got to do something differently because the way i'm running my business is not sustainable so i guess what i want people to take away is that balance of curiosity discover discovery playfulness and intention mm. design mm. um I don't know. I guess those are the two words is is intentionally thinking about where you want to land. So those two things are both tools that need to be used together. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Aiden, what are you hearing? What's your, what's your, uh, what's your, your thing that you wish a younger Aiden might've been able to hear? Man, don't be a donkey. (laughs) (laughs) This this is the thing about, you know, the eating hay and drinking water and which do I do? And if I don't do either, then, uh, then I starve and, um, and I dehydrate, but, um, I really, I really do believe that, um, if you're ruthless with your, 
uh, the structure and they can be loose. But if you're ruthless about structuring experiments, you can try everything you want to try. You can test everything you want to test. Um, and I believe I'm, I'm coming to this interesting differentiation between exploration versus commitment. Um, which I am always almost when I, when we talk about, you know, saying yes and saying no, I think that the unspoken thing is, is committing yes or not committing at all. Uh, when in fact you can explore without committing. Um, I don't know how to do that. And I'm sure it just varies in, in every single situation, but I'm going to be trying to do more exploration that is not commitment mm. and trying to find and get a sense for the tipping point of, Ooh, this exploration is starting to feel pretty cool. Maybe this is the tipping point. Maybe this yeah. is the door that Steph talks about, right? And, um, and then, you know, clipping into that last carabiner on that rock wall and going another 10 feet up, yeah. you know? So that's, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Okay. I love it. Corbett Barr. Well, I just want to stress that I don't think we talked about this yet, uh, in this episode, but I want to stress the importance of truly trying to build the minimum viable product mm. when you're doing a new thing, especially when you have another project going on. Because an MVP, the, the whole point of this is like, things are going to take way longer than you think they are. And it's really hard to make decisions if you don't have something out there in the world for people to judge and let you know if this is worth your time or not. Right. And when you're already working on a project and then you decide to embark on another one, you might think you're going to spend 50% on that, that project and 50% on this project, but there's like 20% that just disappears because of switching costs between the two. Mm. So you're left with like 40% for each project. And now you decide to build like this amazing, perfect thing right out the bat. And then it takes you several years to get it done and you end up feeling lost in the woods. Yeah. So if an MVP is important for someone embarking on building a business for the first time, it's even more important for someone who is trying to get a side project off the ground or explore mm. their curiosity because they think it might be the right path forward. Mm. Mm. Right. I love it. And I think just to touch that MVP is the exploration, in my opinion. Mm. That's what that means to me. Yeah. Because I'm not committing to the perfect picture. I'm committing to just barely good enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that. Well, uh, I love I love this conversation. This has been awesome. It reminds me of Seth Godin has this line that's almost like a, a trademark for him where he's like, this might not work out. Like this, <laughs> this might not work. This might not work, right? It's this idea of like when you have something as your, it's like this might not work. Now, it com you know, contrast that with marketing people who, who like get really, really specific about their avatar that they're aiming it at, their target market, the audience. And then it's like, you know that BMW knows exactly who they're making their cars for, and they know if it's working for that person or not, right? And everything they do as a company is, is focused specifically on those results, right? And this is a, so it's like this balance between the writer artist who says you know this might not work out but i have to i have to do this thing i have to not think about what's going to work for them i have to express this thing over here a lot of people feel that um almost to a fault and could val could balance and value some of having that like sort of avatar -y idea the customer the target audience idea of like we're actually making this for a reason it's to impact these people's lives in a very specific and meaningful way or a small and meaningful way um, and are we being effective in that is actually the bet. It ends up becoming one of the best questions you can ask of yourself as an artist. Am I being effective in, in creating the experience that I'm hoping to, to help people have? But I think of that, this might not work. And that is playfulness. That is curiosity. That is openness. And I love that stuff, man. 
and you've got two skis going down the mountain, right? If you had just one, you'd be a snowboarder. That's not skiing. Um, <laughs> and your leg would be, like your left leg would be so tired, or your right, whichever one you put the one ski on, right? We have two skis, and one of them is that playful curiosity, and the other one is, is that sort of intelligent design and results-driven uh, sort of strategy. It's both and. The fun thing to remember is you're skiing. Either way, it's gravity that's doing all the work, and you're getting to flow with it, right? Okay, guys, so this is an episode 319 of The Fizzle Show. You can get the show notes and everything you need for this one at fizzleshow.co slash 319. I've been Chase Wardman Reeves with Aiden and Corbett and Steph. You can check us all out at the show notes, fizzleshow.co slash 319. And as always, you can get into a five-week free trial of Fizzle, where it is the entrepreneurial community that won't let you quit. It'll help you stay in that openness, that playfulness and curiosity whilst constantly teaching you about the ways that we will learn from our metrics, right? Exciting stuff. Fizzle.co slash try five. It's five weeks free. And then when you start paying for it, it's actually not that expensive. So you're welcome. All right. That's it from us here. Find care, take care, serve hard and dig in y'all. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you next week on the Fizzle Show.